Wow, packed crowd today. So uh, it's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves, but it's nice to see so many of you, right? It really is, and it's a blessing to me. I, as I've said, I've joked before, I don't get a bonus based on how many people are here. I don't get any additional compensation because, well, actually Sam said if I get this class over 40, he would double what they're paying me. Um, and I said, no, I will take nothing less than triple. And and he said, okay, because three times zero is still zero. Um, so, uh, you know, it is a blessing to, to be here in front of you. It's a blessing to, uh, to see each and every one of you, to see, you know, each of you have your own story. Each of you have your own challenges. Each of you have your own uh, things you're working through. And yet we're all under the same Lord, under the same God. And it's neat to see how, to, to just see how he's working in, in different people's lives. And, and if he's not working in your life, if you don't feel like he's working in your life, grab me after class. Let's talk about that because he probably is and you just may not see it. Uh, but, uh, but, but we want to make sure we deal with that. So, uh, I need two brown nosers, front rows, you know, in a few weeks when he's, when he's gone, we're going to need another, uh, you know, I probably should have had you do it. I should have you do it once before, before you leave. Um, so quick reminder, uh, I don't think Brandon, I had to step out. I, I had to go to the little boy's room. Um, so I don't know if Brandon mentioned it. I'll save the date for for their gathering, June 12th. So June 12th, just keep that in mind. We'll talk more about it over the coming weeks. Uh, we'll have a have a gathering here and a and a a bon voyage, um, uh, you know, gathering after class. So. Continuing our, our series. So we're coming down to the last few of these lessons. We're going to make a transition uh, around Memorial Day into our next series. Still praying through that. I think I'm, I'm I would say I'm of 95% confident in what the Lord has for us, uh, but until uh, until I get 100% confident, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share it quite yet. And let me know if we need more, or if we need to go print more or whatever. Uh, we can, yeah, can, yeah. Probably I'd maybe do five or so, a couple more folks. So. Um, so it's it's uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I've, I really enjoyed this week's lesson. I, I think I was telling Michelle, probably Michelle, because we see a lot of each other, <laughs> that I was going a completely different direction, different passage, well, somewhat different passage, and it's still within the same chapter in Mark chapter five, but going a different direction. And then I realized, man, this feels eerily similar. And I had actually taught on something in this in the series uh, similarly. So. I thought, you know what, that's not of the Lord's leading, and prayed about it some more. And He opened up this uh, this this other passage in the in the same chapter. It's in chapter or Mark chapter five, so uh, you know, it's there in front of you. I might ask you still to turn to turn there, because we're going to look at uh, a little bit more than just what's on the the screen. But Mark chapter five twenty seven through thirty one, and when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press 
and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto them, Thou seest the multitude thronging thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Right? So, who touched me? So, part of what I wanted you to see in chapter 5 was the fact that uh, there's more going on here. Uh, there's actually in um, uh, verse uh, verse 21, so again, if you could look in, in Scripture, and when Jesus was passed over again by a uh, ship to, to, unto the other side, and much people gathered unto him, he was nigh unto the, unto the sea. And behold, there can, cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, uh, Jairus uh, by name, and when he, was, uh, when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter dieth at the point of death, or lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she may live and be healed, and, and or, hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Then we pick it up in verse 25, our passage. So we know that this uh, this ruler of the synagogue comes to Jesus. See, they weren't all bad. They Some of them did end up believing on, on Jesus. This ruler of the synagogue is actually beseeching Jesus to come with him to go see his daughter, who is uh, near death, and by, by the time Jesus gets there later in the passage, she has died. And then we have this little parenthetical uh, about this, this lady with this issue of, of blood. In verse uh, 25, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things, or suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard... That, that picks up in our passage. So we see that this lady had done kind of everything that she could. She had spent all of her money. Physicians, look, we can we can harp on uh, the current structure and current nature of the healthcare system in the United States, and it certainly has its challenges. Uh, but there were people like this that would have been taken advantage of, uh, you know, just emptying their pocketbooks, uh, selling snake oil, con- you know, snake oil uh, solutions to their problems. She had sought everything and for 12 years had suffered and had not come to any kind of relief from her situation. But she heard, she heard of Jesus, and we'll see in other, in other, some of the other passages today, uh, that when she, she heard that just even touching his garment, she could potentially be healed. And so, um, so that's really our, 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 our uh, concept today. Who touched my clothes? And so we're going to talk about the senses, specifically spending most time on touch. Uh, accessibility and how important accessibility is in ministry, right? Accessibility to Jesus. And then the power of virtue. So our series study point uh, 24, our senses reflect a greater spiritual truth. Now we've seen this concept, this, this principle in scripture before, that there are a lot of things that reflect a greater spiritual truth. I think I've actually used that phrase uh, a couple of times in this series, but in this case our senses reflect a, a greater spiritual truth. Does anybody remember specific what is, specifically what is referenced uh, when God talks in Genesis about the creation of man. He said, let us make make man in our image, right? 
And so the things that are in our physical body are representative of some characteristics of God, right? Not everything, but there are certainly the, I would say the big things in our body are representative of a greater spiritual truth. And the senses cannot be denied. The senses, I mean, God, so so what are the five senses, right? So you've got taste, touch, hearing, seeing, and smelling, right? Five senses, right? All of God has attributes of all of those in Scripture. We don't have time to spend going specifically through that today, but God has all of those uh, those same senses. That is not a coincidence. That is, we were designed in reflection of God in these components. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about uh, about about these the four other ones prior to touching, because she said, if I can just touch, if I can just touch the hem of His garment. Right? So hearing is the key to faith. Hearing is the key to faith, right? So in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, we see that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, does this mean a deaf person cannot get saved? Of course not. Deaf people get saved all the time. Matter of fact, we had an opportunity, I had an opportunity years ago to, to be part of a ministry uh, in Zambia, Africa. We went on a missions trip, supported, and they, we actually went to a deaf school. I can't remember the percentage of kids that end up deaf in sub-Sahara uh, Africa, Zambia being one of those countries, because simple ear infections that kids, that you're, all y'all's kids get them, got them, had them, will get them if they haven't, and going to get multiples of them, and you go to the doctor, yep, they, you know, look in the ear, yep, they got a little ear infection, get them on a little antibiotic, they get better, They're, they don't get antibiotics, the infections get worse, and they go deaf. It's a thing. It's a horrible thing. And they become really second-class or third-class citizens in their in their communities, and in some cases, ostracized from their own families. And so, one of the ministries there uh, is a a man who grew up with a deaf mother, so he was he, was hearing. Her his mother had lost her her hearing. It wasn't a, a, a passed-on trait. She had lost her hearing. He was able to hear, but learned obviously had to communicate with sign language with his mother. He had a real burden uh, for the, these kids and created a school specifically for uh, for uh, deaf children and we spent wonderful time uh, you know I, I'm literally getting chills right now thinking about the time in that place uh, and and the investment uh, that those kids went from being literally uh, the dirt of the streets to, to being loved on in the name of Jesus so 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 Faith cometh by hearing, it's, and we, we, we understand that it's, pers- it's the concept of understanding, right? Jesus even talked about that. You can hear but not understand, right? So it's really the understanding of the gospel, but for the vast majority of the people in the world, that comes through hearing. The gospel is communicated verbally. Sometimes people read it, but most of the time, a good portion of the time, people hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In Galatians 3, chapter 2, or chapter 3, verse 2, uh, received ye uh, the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So so faith is tied to hearing, okay? Faith is tied to hearing. It's inextricably linked in Scripture. The next is sight. Sight is key to evaluation. It's a, it's a form of judgment that you can, you know... Um, 
you know, the, 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 it's interesting because the way, and we don't have time, I actually did a series on this many moons ago before when we were at a different church about anatomy uh, and, and, and the, our physiology and how it plays out in scripture. Maybe someday I'll dust that off again. But the eye is amazing because the eye only works by light reflecting off of something and then coming into, or light maybe directly from the sun, but don't do that for too long, right? Uh, but the, the light, reflects off an object and then we can discern what's going on in front of us. We can understand it's the key to evaluation. Notice in Genesis 2.19 and and God brought them, the animals, unto Adam to see what he would call them. (laughs) There's an evaluation process. And whatsoever Adam called every living thing, that was was the name thereof. So, So Adam, you know, I Look, I don't think he called an anteater an anteater, but I'm pretty sure he didn't call it an aardvark. I feel like somebody else came up with that stupid name. Uh, but, but Adam probably looked at an elephant and said, elephant. You know, he didn't say it in English, right? So, so just bear with me, like transport ourselves back in time. He, he judged it. He didn't have to feel it. Right? He didn't have to, to evaluate it in that way. He just looked on it. He just took, and God brought him unto Adam to see what he would call them. In Second Kings, um, and I've referenced this passage, it's actually one of my more favorite passages in Scripture. Second Kings uh, six seventeen. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of chariots, or horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. They were there before. He just now could see through the eyes. He could evaluate what was going on because he had been enlightened, in this case, spiritually or supernaturally. So the eye is the key to evaluation. You could also maybe throw in the word discernment there. So then we go to the next two, smelling. Smelling has a connection to prayer. Did you know that it's physiologically proven that smells can elicit memories? I actually participated, don't laugh at me, I participated in a, in a research study in college because I had to. Was, I was in a psychology class and one of the requirements of the class was we had to participate in a psychology study. Feels a little twisted, I'm, I'm gonna, not going to lie, but I had to go and I had to participate. Well, the, I was smart. Well, maybe not smart. I was wise, and I chose the simplest, shortest study I could be a part of because, well, I wasn't involved in psych. It wasn't my thing, right? I just had to take the class. So the the psych class, or the the psych study was. Some people in the room looked at a list of words and then had to remember them and try to regurgitate back which words were on the list. Some people got to to suck on, I think it was like a piece of cinnamon or something. It was a super simple study. And then got to smell cinnamon thereafter. And so they were trying to see if the smell, the association of the words could trigger memory. I have no idea the outcome of the study. I just got my check, you know, check the box. And But the theory, the hypothesis is well proven. Have you ever walked into a room and smelled something and it triggers a mind from a uh, thought from when you were a kid or from 20 years ago? For those of you who are maybe... Grandma's cooking. Yeah, grandma's cooking. What were you saying? That's your limbic system at Okay, you're the amen to the limbic system. Like, it is, it is a thing, right? So the smell, but notice that it's a connection to prayer because more often than not in Scripture, it is a connection. The Lord smells 
the sweet savor of the offering. Right? Look in Genesis. Um, Look at Genesis chapter 8 here on the screen, 20 and 21. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Like, some people, they have a hard time with that. Like, God actually enjoyed smelling the smell of dead animals being sacrificed? Yes. And it's a picture of the redemption. It's a picture of our prayers, right? The altar of incense. And notice, uh, I didn't include it here, but Song of Solomon, all of these connections about smelling in Song of Solomon. And if there's one thing we can learn from the Song of Solomon, and that's not our next topic in, uh, uh, you know, I I do someday want to, I want to teach Song of Solomon and call it Hubba Hubba. Like that's like, yeah, Song of Solomon, Hubba Hubba. Um, Song of Solomon is nothing but connection, right? Between a bride and a groom. Beautiful picture of the connection of Christ and his church, right? It it is pure, it is holy, it is righteous, but it's like also full of smelling, (laughs) you know? Insert joke about smelling in marriage. Um, so smelling is a connection to, to there's a key, uh, there's a connection in prayer. The last is, is, is tasting, and this is also a key to discernment. I mentioned that um, a, a few moments ago with respect to, to, to eyes, to evaluation, but discernment, Job chapter 6 and verse 30, is there iniquity in my tongue? Can my, can my taste discern perverse things? Doth not the ear try words and the mouth taste his meat? So, I know this sounds like kind of crazy, but when you make something, what do you do? Hopefully you use a different spoon, but not just the stirring one, right? You, you taste it to see if it's right. Because most of us don't want to serve something that tastes horrible to our family or friends if we're having folks over, right? You're, it's, a, it's a discernment, right? This, this taste concept. All of that was set up, to, was to simply set up the concept of touching. Now, huge disclaimer. Mitch said touching is the key to ministry, so therefore I'm just going to go around touching people. That's not what I said, okay? All right? I'm trying to remember who it was this morning. Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. If if your spouse is sitting next to you, you can you can go like this, right? No, but touching is is very. Did, did you do it too? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Don't don't touch it. Touching is very important in ministry. Okay, touching the connection. This morning I gave, and I'm trying to remember who it was, and the Lord's not bringing it to, to remembrance. I gave a guy a hug, and I put, and I just kind of tapped. I put, I put my arm on or uh, my hand on the shoulder of the of the woman. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. I do feel like most of you, I probably give you a hug, but I didn't feel comfortable enough with this lady. I don't remember who it was uh, to to give her a hug. I'll say yet. We're not friends enough. That might feel odd. It might be off limits to her. And that's cool. I'll respect that. But there is a connection. I would bet that most of you this morning, I have either given a hug to, or we just haven't had a chance to to connect. One of or both of us have been busy. Like, touch is really important. And when people go prolonged periods without touch, it affects them. And look, this is not sexual. This isn't, I just said all that stuff aside. This is just about human interaction. It's really important. 
Did you know that grasshoppers or locusts, they will swarm and they will move when they have too much touching? There's this like reflex in them that if they touch too much, they have to move. Okay? They have to move on. And that's actually a great missions principle there. If you're getting constrained in ministry, maybe the Lord's moving you to a new ministry. Maybe it's even a mission, right? If you're getting constrained. But touching is super important. If you take somebody, take that same grasshopper out in the middle of nowhere, it has no interaction with its herd. What are a, what are a bunch of gra- locusts or a, a swarm? A swarm of locusts? A, a gaggle? <laughs> What is it that's that's political? It's like a congress. Is it crows? No, crows are a murder. Murder of crows. Isn't that weird? Yeah. A group of crows is murder. But touch is important. I'm getting off topic. Huh? <laughs> what are baboons? Congress. Oh, congress. That's what it is. It's a congress of baboons. I think there's something connection there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a, Thank you. That was exactly the one I was looking for. But touch, notice, we're going to look at these quick. We're going to look at these quick. But look at, look at, this is just Jesus touching people. Okay? Totally pure. Nothing nefarious. Nothing wrong. Don't you dare misapply this. Okay? And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Uh, And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. See the connection with touch and ministry? He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith be it unto you. Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, be not afraid. In uh, Matthew 20, verse 34, And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him because he touched, gave them sight, they could discern, they followed him. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Took aside from the multitude and put his fingers... This is a weird one. Really don't suggest doing this one unless... Jesus. He put his fingers in his ears and he spit and touched his tongue and straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. Like, talk about an intimate connection with Jesus. That dude gets a special star in heaven for an intimate connection with Jesus. But what happened? He was able to speak. He was now able to hear. And he spake plain. That's, that's beautiful. And he cometh to Bethsaida, uh, and they bring up a blind man in him and besought him to touch him. Right? Besought him to touch him. Uh, he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will thou be clean, or be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed. Uh, this is one of my favorites, the, the, the resurrection at Nain. And he came and he touched the buyer, the funeral procession. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Wow! Touch! And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. I you know, probably would sign me up for that one if I couldn't hear uh, as compared to the, to the others. So, so touch is super important. Okay, It's super important. There's Old Testament references and, and pictures of ministry that is very real. And I think... Honestly, respecting people's space. I had this had a situation today. Um, I won't go into the details, but you know that counter in the office where everybody's like got to print stuff out, and people are signing stuff, and people are stacking stuff, and they're having conversations. And I needed to like 
like I needed to get in and and it was a young lady I don't I, I don't know her I don't, actually don't even know her name and like we were too close and she just had to move away just a, a little bit and I'm not mad about it I, it's okay all right it's okay I you know it doesn't bother me like getting on a plane if I happen to sit next to somebody and our, our you know this part of our bodies touch for an hour and a half like that doesn't freak me out but our society has gotten to a point where that freaks a lot of people out yeah it's okay it's okay I'm not yeah I mean but touch is super important to us super important but access, so that brings us to our, our, our first lesson. Touch is important, but access was arguably just as important. Because if you can't ex- access someone, if they're not accessible, Jesus couldn't touch them or they couldn't touch Jesus, right? Like, there has to be access. And this is one thing that I, I, I want to be very, very transparent with you all. I, I try to be honest always, but I also try to be super transparent. This is probably the hardest thing for me because I do feel a responsibility so many different directions, right? I still work a job. I have responsibilities that you all heard about this morning with respect to the administrative and the financial stuff here and so many different things. I, you would be surprised how many messages I get during service of all the things that didn't go right and all the things that need to be tweaked and all the things. And I'm not complaining. It's just I'm constantly pulled, right? And that's, that's the nature of being a minister. I'm, I'm really not complaining. And then I feel like if it's been a period of time where I haven't connected with you, like I'll be driving down the road, I'll be like, man, when was the last time I talked to, uh, or when was the last time I hugged somebody and said it's been a minute since I see it? And she's like, it was just one week. I had to work last week. Like, but it felt forever. Like I hadn't connected in forever, even though it sounds like it's only been two weeks. So I, I really, this is one area I constantly, I hate to use the word struggle, but I'm constantly mindful of, is if it's been too long since I've connected with you, I'm sorry. Because access is super important. Access is super important. And that's why we do have a lot of pastors here. And you go to uh, other churches, and they churches our size, they mainly have three or four pastors. Well, I would argue, well, that's not enough. Because there's not enough connection. There's not enough touching, right, pure, righteous connection. Jesus was accessible. Jesus was accessible. And people approached him. Notice, and we actually even saw it in a couple of the other verses, but notice in Matthew chapter 9, Right? Parallel passage. And behold, a woman which was diseased with issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. So she pursued him. She was able to get to him. Notice in Matthew 14, And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, brought all, brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as were touched were made perfectly whole. This, this actually, this principle applies to the next, next uh, slide and next point as well. And the whole, whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Like, people had, people did things to get to Jesus because they knew he had that kind of power in him. And Jesus, look, there were very few times that Jesus got away from the people. 
from the, from the masses. Very few times. Now, he did, he did take time to do that. Certainly to prayer, certainly to focus on ministry, to, to reset in certain things, to commune with the Lord, right? To show his disciples uh, certain things that needed to be taught just unto them. So there's principle there. But boy, was he accessible. Boy, was he accessible. And I would argue that's what part of what made him different to so many people who'd seen leaders and prophets had come before. But this was a guy who walked among them. This was a guy who slept among them. This was a guy who ate among them. Let me, let me, if I step on your toes, I apologize because I mean to smash them. (laughs) If you think getting closer to the Lord and growing in ministry means being more isolated, you're doing it wrong. Right? What did we just see a couple weeks ago? Or was it last week? Time flies. Like, the servant, the leader is the servant of, of the disciple. Right? The leader serves. And this, this, uh, this one really hit me this week. Because I do want to be approachable. I'm not trying to liken myself to Jesus other than I'm a believer. But like, I want to be approachable. I want you to to feel comfortable to bring your concerns to me, to bring your cares to me, for to pray, I will pray over them. You know, if we need to talk through things, please don't ever assume I'm off limits. Okay? I might not always be able to take your call. I think somebody called me this week, tell, wanted to tell me they, they got a new job and I wasn't able to take the call. I can't, I can't guarantee that I'm always able, right in a moment's notice, but I will do my absolute absolute best to get back with you or get time with you. Jesus was accessible. Do not for a second think that growing in ministry, growing in leadership means you're now above or separated from anyone. It's it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. And people even brought other people to Jesus. So people brought others to him. And they, so, so again, it's still under this auspice or this umbrella that Jesus was accessible, but people approached him. So you could say, well, people are still approaching him, but they did so by bringing other people <laughs> to him, right? Mark 10, and they brought young children to him that he should what? Touch them. Why? So that they could be healed because as we know, kids get infirmities, born with them, get them, that happens. And in some cases, like, I kind of want to bring my kids to Jesus so he can touch them so that they just grow in the Lord, right? Like, I want them to have a connection with Jesus. And in Luke 18, um, 15, and they brought also unto him, it's interesting because it's a different word, uh, unto him also infants that he would touch them. People that didn't even know what their needs were. Didn't even, they couldn't even comprehend the challenges they were facing, physical, spiritual, whatever. People brought those, those infants, those young, young, young kids to Jesus. And certainly we see in Mark chapter 2, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press because of the people, not because they were the paparazzi, uh, but because they couldn't get to him because of the number of people, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let the, down, uh, down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Like literally, even when Jesus wasn't accessible, he was accessible. 
I mean, he was accessible. It was just so many people around him, right? So, so Jesus is accessible. You're never going to touch people. You're never going to have a lasting impact for the kingdom, for their eternity, if you're distant. It's just not going to happen. So this brings us to our second point, or second lesson. Now let me, let me just put a, put a disclaimer right here. Sometimes there are things in the world that are beautiful pictures of a spiritual lesson. I think that happens in what I'm getting ready to share with you. I don't think this is supernaturally ordained. There are things in creation that I think God designed... Right? The nature of our being, our senses we've talked about, right? There's things in nature, there's the sun and the moon, right? There's all sorts of things in nature that were the creation of God. I'm going to share with you something that I came across. I think it's really neat, but it's not a doctrinal position. But it, it, put, it put a nice handle, a nice conceptual handle, principle handle on, on what we're going to talk about. So I just needed to put that disclaimer out for a second. So what is virtue? Did anybody notice? It's kind of weird. Jesus perceived that virtue went out from him. Now, most of the time, virtue is that's referenced in the New Testament. What do you think of when you think of virtue? Like the virtuous woman, which is... And it's kind of a, a moral, uh, I think somebody said goodness or something. Goodness, right? Or moral compass, right? That's what we most, right? There's several passages in the, in the New Testament talk about thinking on things that are pure and have virtue, right? And, and add to your faith virtue. Right? So there's that. But that's not what this, not directly. What, it's, it's really interesting because these two concepts really overlap nicely. So this virtue, so I took, I took the word virtue and I looked at the, at the Greek word in the, in the New Testament. And the Greek word is dynamis. Okay? Dynamis. And that literally means power. And that's a fill in the blank for you. Power. Okay? This is a word cloud of all the times dynamis is translated in your New Testament. By far, I want to say I think it was 77 times, it's translated as power. But it's some version of mighty, like, I don't know, 10 or 11 times. Some version of strength. Some version of of miracle or wonderful or even, it's interesting, violence. Right? Very, very, ah! Right? can be very violent in nature. Not necessarily violent like mean, but like a violent reaction. Right? Uh, deeds, ability, the, the power or ability, the abundance of something, right? The overflowing power, if you will. Okay? So this is one of those things that... So we're going to talk for a second about how dynamite works. Because when the guy that created dynamite... Does anybody know who created dynamite? Nobel, right? The dude that on his deathbed felt like he had created something that was going to be used for bad, dynamite. He wanted to leave a legacy of good, so he created, literally, the Nobel Peace Prize. He left a legacy because he wanted people to associate his name with peace rather than something that would do damage. But he, he invented dynamite. Now, years before, nitroglycerin had been invented. Now, when I was growing up in the 70s and early 80s, nitroglycerin seemed to be more 
like of a problem that it actually like it was in all the spy movies and it was in all the action movies right because you had to be super careful because if you spilled the nitroglycerin it would blow up I have yet to run into nitroglycerin I don't know about you but it's not nearly as much of a, it's kind of like quicksand when I was growing up quicksand seemed to like Gilligan's Island it's everywhere you'd walk and you'd be like whoa I'm in quicksand but I have yet to, to encounter quicksand I know what to do when I fall in quicksand and you don't move, you go slower, and then somebody will throw you a rope and you get out. Evidently, that's how you get out of quicksand. But nitroglycerin and, and quicksand are not nearly the problem that I thought that they would be as I got older. But what, what was happening is literally the labs where they were making this explosive nitroglycerin, they were blowing up, surprise, surprise, because they were unstable. Nitroglycerin was unstable. And they mixed it with sawdust to make it more stable. And when they did that, they realized if we wrap it up like a cigar, right, and we put a fuse and a blasting cap in it or an igniter, well, if I light it, now I can control when the explosion goes off, right? So I've got a question for you. So, so oh, so that was the, the principle is dynamis. He called it dynamite. Nobel, Nobel called it dynamite because of the Greek word for power, for might. Okay, so it's a co- more of a coincidence thing, right? This is not a biblical biblical principle. Okay, like don't walk away saying Mitch taught us about dynamite out of the Bible because that's not the point. Okay. <laughs> All right, so where did the power that Jesus was referring to come from? Because we know that what happened was the woman touched the garment and she was healed. Virtue or power flowed out of him, right? So was it the garment that was the power? Well, according to Mark chapter 15 and a couple other references, when Jesus is hung on the cross, what did they do? They parted his garment, right? Casting lots upon them what every man should take. Did everybody just, like, after they cut up the garments, like, whoa, I don't, I'm healed all of a sudden. No, right? It wasn't the garment that had the power, right? Are you with me? But was it Jesus himself? Well, Jesus knowing immediately himself that virtue had gone out of him. So, yeah, the, the, the power was in him. Uh, that's our passage and Jesus said somebody had touched me in Luke 8 the parallel passage for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me so we know that that's the origin of the power right the power resided in Jesus but it flowed out of him without knowledge I mean without predetermined knowledge right Jesus didn't say someone touched me therefore I let power out I let virtue out just them touching his garment cause the power to flow. Are you with me? Yes? So I would argue that the, the power came from Jesus but was not the catalyst or the trigger. I would argue it's something else. In Luke, the parallel passage in Luke 8, she declared unto him before all the people, right? So, so who touched me? And the disciples say, well, you're in the middle of a bunch of people. What do you mean, who touched you? And, and they, they pulled, the ladies like, I touched him. And when they pulled her, uh, and she declared unto him before all the people for what, she, the, for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Yeah. Go in peace. I would argue the power came from Jesus, but if we take the same illustration, 
non-biblical, but practical, that the nitroglycerin and, and, and sawdust is a picture of God and the flesh together, right? Wrapped in a garment, the fuse is the touch, but the blasting cap, the thing that triggered the entire reaction was her faith. It was her faith. Jesus is walking around waiting for people to have faith for the power to flow. (laughs) He's literally walking around and somebody touches him and he's like, what just happened to me? Somebody touched me. I felt power go out. Well, how did they have did that power get triggered? By faith. By faith. And this brings us to our last point here. The power was released or triggered by faith. In Acts chapter eight or chapter one and verse eight. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth. Paul, Paul addresses it in Romans chapter 1 and, vi- and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the dynamite. It is the faith. It is the triggering event that unleashes salvation in your life. Look, at the end of the day, dynamite's just dynamite. Don't play with it. You could lose a hand or you could die. But boy, it's a beautiful picture of this lady who in faith says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. I mean, do you think she had faith going into all those other doctors? She paid them money. She paid them something to, to be recovered of her, of her 12-year-long illness or uh, condition, her issue. I bet every time she walked in with faith and walked out with disappointment. But you don't have to do that with Christ. You can walk in with faith and walk out with good comfort, right? You can walk out, um, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. So you can walk out with comfort, you can walk out whole, and you can walk out with peace. Wow. Wow. And all that is triggered by the fuse of the blasting cap of faith. I think that is just so, so awesome. So awesome. And that is what's, what's, what I think is really cool is we all have that exact same opportunity. Like if there's something you're trusting the Lord for, have faith. He wants to show himself strong through you, through your faith. Trust him. It could be something as simple or as, as, as serious as, as, as a decision about living circumstances or job situation or something as practical as a ministry to do or not do. There's all sorts of different ways, manifestations that your, 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 the situations you're in can take, can, can take form. But I know the solution to all of it is the power through faith. I mean, that, that faith that made the woman whole is the same faith that, can, that can, you, you can see the Lord, the power of God unto salvation. Like, you literally are saved through that exact same power. And I don't know if, that everybody here has made that decision in their life. I, I can't be sure that everybody in this room is saved. 
And I would be remiss to be talking about faith and talking about the power of God, the power of God unto salvation, without at least putting it out there. If you're not saved, if you don't know what it means to have your sins forgiven, if you've never asked the Lord to forgive your sins that He willingly paid for on the cross, He willingly paid for them, If you've never done that, I implore you, please, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make sure that you can exchange your sinful condition for His righteousness. It's a trade He's willing to make with every person on the face of the earth. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son that anybody, anyone that believes on Him can be saved. Anyone. If you're dealing with an issue of faith in your own personal walk, in your in your journey with the Lord, I don't know how. I, look, I know I look across the room here, and I think about the folks that might hear this, and I think about all the situations that people have going on, and and honestly, it's more than my heart can bear. But I know the solution is faith. I know the solution is faith. He will work if you just trust Him. And if your immediate thought is, but, and then fill in the blank, like, but I've got this, or but this might happen, that's not faith. If you've come up with a concept that is putting that above God and His ability, that's not faith. Faith is the key. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask, uh, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying for us on the on the cross, but, but, but more importantly, resurrecting and conquering sin and death. And I just pray for each person under the sound of my voice, Lord. I, we all have issues of faith. We all have uh, problems that we cannot solve in the flesh, that we cannot... Um, I can't even believe this lady dealt with something for 12 years, but when she heard of Jesus, she knew that if she just could touch you, Lord, wow. So, so Lord, let us have that kind of faith. Let us just understand that if we could just connect with you, that you're going to make it work out. You might heal us. You might give us comfort. You might give us peace. I don't know what it is exactly that you're going to do in our lives, but we trust you for it. And, Lord, if there, if there again, if, if there's someone that's not accepted you as Savior, Lord, I pray that you would not allow them to be peaceful, or at, at peace, rather, but that you would, uh, you would allow them to be only convicted of their sin nature and the understanding that they need a Savior and that you're standing there with your arms completely open wide, knowing that you're ready and willing to release the power. (laughs) You're willing to conquer sin and death in their life through the power of the cross if they just have faith. So I pray for their faith even in that this morning. Lord, we love you so much. Just give us confidence, not in ourselves, but in your ability to execute uh, as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.